Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 356. It's tight, you know, the lighting's right, and the tables don't wobble, and, you know, that's what he was saying, is like, you know, most places, or a lot of places, there isn't that attention to detail, there is a light bulb out, and people don't balance the little, uh, the feet underneath the table, and, you know, there is a clog drain that they just let go because it's not, you know, it's not important to them. And, you know, that all culminates to, you know, caring. And, you know, it might not be seen by the every day by the guest. But, you know, that stuff also when it's on the other side, on the positive side, when you are taking care of those details, it, it culminates to something great you know i mean you you might not be able to put your finger on it but you do see that there's care and attention to detail at every corner are you ready for it factors success stories failures and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge then join eric cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable Is your restaurant so busy that sometimes guests have to wait 20, 30, maybe even 60 minutes to get sat? Do they ever get so fed up that they just get up and go somewhere else? No Way manages waitlist digitally so that diners can join the waitlist from home and know exactly when to show up. With No Way, you never feel too busy because guests never feel like they have to wait. Check out nowait.com slash unstoppable. Unstoppable for a special offer just for restaurant unstoppable listeners. Again, that's nowait.com slash unstoppable. Hey guys, would you like to know the exact marketing strategy a restaurant owner used to generate over $36,000 in sales from just $400 in Facebook ads? Would you like to know how a bar owner doubled her Tuesday night business in just four weeks for just $50 a week? Go to freebrsbook.com right now and get a copy of the industry's number one selling marketing and promotion book, Bar and Restaurant. Success. This book reveals the step by step marketing plan that created these results so you can apply them in your own business. Get on it. All right. So, with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Josh Childs and Bo Sturm. Josh, Bo, are you guys feeling unstoppable today? Get right, get right up in there. You bet. <laughs> 60 degrees and rainy outside, but we're unstoppable. All right. That is what we like to hear. So uh, today we're sitting at the Paddle Inn, Josh Childs, Bosterm, and Susie Maitland's newest restaurant located in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Uh, in addition to the Paddle Inn, the restaurant group also operates Trina's Starlight Lounge, Parlor Sports, and Audubon. Uh, this restaurant group is most well-known for craft cocktails and high-quality comfort food. Obviously, we're just scraping the surface there. I can't wait to dive in deeper to learn more about how you guys got to where you are today. But uh, first, got to give a shout-out to our boy um, who calls you out, Chef Gaudette. I'm here. Thanks for calling him out, Chef. Uh, and now, let's get that motivational and inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you have for us? Always surround yourself with people more talented than you are. Ooh, I, I dig it. I've made a 30-year career almost. I <laughs> can't wait to dive in. Do you, do you want to add anything to that, Bo? Or? Yeah, when in doubt, give a hug. When in doubt, give a hug. Surround yourself with people who are smarter than you are. When in doubt, give a hug. I can roll with that. So um, I did some research trying to you know get the backstory, try to learn about how this all came together. And there's a lot of partners. There's a lot of variables here. So uh, I guess let's just start with um, each one of you. Tell a little bit about how you got into the industry and give like real fast two minutes snapshots until how you met up with your partner and we'll kind of take it to like where the group started to come if that makes sense so we'll start with josh so uh i've been working in the business for quite a long time i, I said 30 years but pushing that range anyway yeah. and uh i bartended in town uh, a couple popular places and was able to open a little place called silvertone oops sorry uh, silvertone bar and grill downtown boston um and operated there for a number of years uh a close friend opened up um the beehive in the okay. south end and he kind of jokingly one night, we were out having a, a drink, and he said, oh, come and work a night. And I said, sure. And he thought I wasn't going to do it, but I did. And it was the best decision I ever made because while I was 
owning and operating another bar, I got to be good friends and work alongside Trina Sturm, okay. Bo's yep. lovely wife. Yep. Um, and we became good friends. And although Bo and I had met before, um, we got to know each other better there and uh, through Trina. And um, uh, we're kind of looking around, and we found this location uh, uh, in, outside of Inman Square, and uh, okay. the rest is history. And what were your titles uh, before going to Starlight? Were, were you partner, owner, or were you working manager? Like, what were you exactly? What were you doing? Uh, so I was uh, owner, bar manager, front of house okay. at Silvertone, down, downtown for a, a number of years. Okay. And, um, uh, and had been bartending around town in other locations also. Okay, awesome. And take it away, Bo. Um, I started bartending, actually, when I was 16 at a country club in, uh, in uh, Wheeling, West Virginia, and um, bartended my way through college, moved to Boston after college, and uh, I was a bartender and a waiter uh, at various places as well. But when I was kind of coming up in Boston, Silvertone was the, the place. I mean, it was the bar that everybody wanted to hang out at. It was, you know, and Josh was already a really well-known, you know, amongst our industry, yeah. you know. And you guys were doing guy. something right because I, I, it was like, uh, I think I saw Ken Oranger was hanging out there. Barbara Lynch was hanging out there. Oh, it was the spot. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. <laughs> I mean, for 15 years, it was yeah. the spot. And um, yeah, and I was just one of the one of the many that were hanging out there, and really appreciated what was going on. And so when Josh and Trina got together um, at at Beehive, it was just you know Trina and I were ready to kind of try to do our own thing, and and Josh was ready to expand, and it just was the right thing at the right time with the with the right group of people. And Josh and I, you know, the more that we talked, and the more that we hung out, we found out that. We had really similar ideas and sentiments and, uh, you know, similar uh, things were important to us in the business. So uh, it really, it worked out well, obviously. Cool. So it's kind of cool that you got to experience what Josh was doing before you guys ever like really partnered. So you know that you could bring it, which is kind of a cool little like side note. Um, I'm curious, Josh, like what was your experience like? before like did you learn anything in those earlier stages like uh during your earlier years of ownership before coming into this partnership that kind of help you make better decisions when going into the next venture like that you'd like to think so i mean i think (laughs) the the reality is is that it's a lot of trial and error like so many small businesses yeah um but yeah there was a number of uh, years leading up to it so it gives you certain ideas but in the same way Bo had had very similar experiences running, operating places, creating beverage programs, worrying about costs. Um, so I think it, it wasn't um, – I wouldn't say there was some glaring thing. It, more that we'd both been in the business for a number of years, regardless yeah. of the title, if it's bar manager or general manager or owner manager, bartender. Um, I think the years of experience probably – leads you to avoid some of the pitfalls but okay. as you well know the, the, those are some yeah. some quite unavoidable somewhere. yeah uh so i'm curious so uh was it the beehive where you met or was it the Sturt silver or well so we kind of knew each other as, okay. just as, a, as a guest coming gotcha, in so gotcha. uh, you know bo and i would know each other and we both bartend around town so you, you know there's the not even six degrees of separation there's the one or two degrees of yep. separation you know you go into a bar and chances are you know somebody pretty well or uh, a friend of a friend so we'd, we'd known each other um, um, not as well obviously as now um, but it was really Trina that was kind of the catalyst because okay. we got to hang out a bunch and then both Trina and I would go out to lunch and okay. talk about so projects Trina, and so on Trina asked you to come to the Starlight for what was a one shift a week was that what it no 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 okay um, um, sorry uh, <laughs> so this is it was, it was a lot of moving no, no, yeah, so, so uh, Jack Barty owns the beehive got it and he had owned a really cool place called uh, faux republic in the south end um and uh he asked me to bartend a night and i I had we had a lot of mutual friends and a lot of uh well-known bartenders started started when they first opened there um so it was a a group of friends and while i knew of trina of course i didn't really know her very well but we worked a shift together and um so that kind of fostered Bo and I hang out more often after that. Okay. Josh was already for a number of years the owner-operator of Silvertone. So Got him it. coming to another bar to just work a shift was kind of special in itself. Got it. Okay. So the big picture is coming into frame now. Uh, thank you guys for walking through that. <laughs> and uh, so when did the, the, the vision of coming together and partnering on a, a project like come into frame? Take us 
like who who's I like the tickets like the through the partnership. I mean, I'll, I'll let both speak in a second, but it was kind of just a logical extension. It yeah. wasn't as if there was a big meeting saying, "Oh, this is what we're going to do." I mean, it's more the three of us got together for lunch and we're like, "We can do this somewhere else. We yeah. can we can create." You know, I I come from a certain background. Trina comes from a certain bartending background. Bo comes from a certain hospitality bartending background. Yeah. restaurant operational background. So we thought. The three kind of combination, um, and then the extended friends and coworkers we could bring to the picture would be work. pretty badass. Um, yeah, and, and we, uh, Bo and I, ended up going out for a beer one night, um, and we're throw a date on this for me real quick so I can get two thousand seven. Two thousand seven, maybe no, maybe a little bit earlier because we opened in. Oh, 2007. That's right. Okay, yeah, he's right. Yep. Okay, so I'm curious. Uh, one of the lessons I've learned. Uh, in interviewing so many successful restaurateurs is find your lane, stay in it. And there's a lot of partners who bring a lot of different variables, different talents, different strengths to the table. So was that going through your mind? Were there certain weaknesses each of you might have had that you're like, well, you know, I might not be great at this, but Josh is really good at this. And Josh might be thinking, well, this might be my weakness, but Bo crushes it there. Like, was any of that going through your head? And if it was, can you kind of like... Maybe some of the other partners brought something special. I know you have, uh, not Nicole, um, Susie, which brings something special to the kitchen. So take us through that. Um, Well, just speaking for myself, I I bartended from the old days um, where we shook the hell out of every cocktail. Manhattan, (laughs) whatever it was, you were shaking it. And we had, you know, inferior quality uh, sour mix, uh, all that kind of stuff. So I had kind of uh, had to retrain myself. you know, use a jigger, uh, yeah. learn about cocktails. And actually, Bo really helped um, guide me that direction, um, kind of fresh juices, yeah. uh, all fresh products, make your own bitters if you can. So I think he kind of brought that element to it okay. a little bit, although I was heading that direction. And okay. I think um, Trina has always been very fast and, you know, uh, she can operate a kind of nightclub bar, but also with with delicious, high-quality cocktails. And then I'll let Bo speak about Susie because you work together yeah, I mean, I think there was a combination of, of things. I think that the thing that brought us together was that we both, we the all of us felt that hospitality was first and foremost. And Josh, you know, exemplified that at Silvertone. I mean, Silvertone, you know, there's a billion bars in Boston. But what separated Josh's place was the lighting was great, the music was great, and the service was incredible. Yeah. I mean, you got, you know... It was mac and cheese and grilled cheese and a burger, but it was in the absolute best and warmest setting that possible. He and this is Silvertone the, we're talking this about. This is Silvertone, and he was the MC at the party, and that was the thing that was attractive about Silvertone, and that was the thing that attracted you know Trina and I to Josh as a partner was that we felt that that was the most important component of, okay, of you restaurants. Got, you got to experience. You got to see it firsthand. Like, yeah. Give me an example of what great service is from – you looking at what Josh was doing, like, give me a specific example, or maybe current time, like something that you've seen from Josh where you're just like, damn, this dude just brings something well, special to the team. When I was hanging out at Silvertone as just a patron, I have to tell this story a million times. It was yes, like a time. late night, you know, like one o'clock in the morning. We, everybody, the whole Boston restaurant industry would stumble in there, like, um, after work and, uh, it was just packed and it's packed with pretty people and you know i came up to the bar got a high life and um i asked the tall guy if uh he smoked if he had a cigarette this was back when you could smoke in bars and um he was like no but hold on one second i mean it's packed and i'm by myself and he knows every one of the 150 people in that bar and he does not know me but he's like hey on brother one one second he comes back with a pewter cigarette or like cigar box filled with like the Lucy's that everybody has left at the, at the bar. And he's like, you know, take a handful brother. (laughs) And I was just absolutely blown away by that. I mean, like he took the time out of being incredibly busy. I mean, they were slammed. I love it, man. Be like, Hey, yeah, hang on guy. I don't know. I'm going to hook you up. That's awesome. And it just always stuck with me that that was the type of person he is. And it's always been the type of person. Do you remember that story? What was going through your head? Now I want to hear the other side. You know, I I think that what I've done well is always try to be gracious to, yeah. to guests and take care of them on whatever level that is. Because while certainly bartending is important to have technically an accurate cocktail that you're presenting to a guest, really that's a small part mm-hmm. of the overall experience. It's it's 
you know, introducing them, a friend to another friend at the bar. It's um, talking about sports. It's, mm. uh, you know, also knowing something about wine. You know, there, there, there's so many things that go into it, and it's making that effort to take the next step. You know, the, the yeah. extra little things, whether that's icing someone's beer down if they get up from the bar for a minute or handing somebody a cigarette when you can still smoke in the bar. Yeah. You know, just little things, but I think those little things... Um, really make a success and longevity of a place. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I couldn't agree more, but where does this come from, from within you, Josh? Like, where are you finding this? Like, was it something that was always there? Was it something that was taught from you? Is there a specific lesson you can go back to? A mentor I, I, I'm not that good at so many things, but I'm a nice guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know, no, I think that, you know, it, it, being a host really, yeah. uh, you know, and, and being treated the way you would want to be treated. And I, that sounds a little corny right now, but yeah. you know, I, I don't, I don't care about the long line and all the beautiful, yeah. you know, if you're the most you know, beautiful young woman who comes in or you're an old goofy ball guy like me or Bo, like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't care, you know, your, your money's green, you know, you, yeah. you, you got, you know, you, give everyone, I, you know, I'd rather uh, give everybody the benefit of the doubt when they come into a place. And I, I think that to, to me, that's what this business is about. Yeah. And, uh. I mean, it's definitely one of those things that is more natural in some people than it is in others. It's that desire to please, that desire to be, you know, accepted. I think that's kind of like, that's what, uh, who was it that said that? Um, oh, his name's escaping me. Um, employees only in oh, New uh, York. What's that? No, uh, his name is escaping me. It'll come back to me. Honestly, even when I was interviewing, I couldn't say his name. It was one of those weird names I kept on butchering. But, uh, you know, it's just that desire to like to just make people happy that it, it, it can't really be trained. And it sounds like that's what you brought to the table. And um, I like to say that, that, you know, if, how do you gauge like hospitality? Like, how do you know if you're being hospitable? And like, if you guys need to grab that phone, you can absolutely do it. Um, and it's like that level of like inconvenience. Like, do you see situations to make somebody happy as an inconvenience? Or is that like a, Oh yeah. Like, this is a, this is my cue to do my thing, and it's like, how willing are you to inconvenience yourself for the convenience of others? Like, and like that's just I see that being in, within you. Like, any thoughts on what I shared or reflection? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, a bigger picture conversation okay. we're having now too. But I, I yeah, I, you know, maybe we have our moms to thank for this. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, really, yeah. if, how you're raised or how you. Uh, uh, you try to treat everybody yep. the same. I mean, I, I, I speak for, I know both parents are terrific and I speak for my parents. We're always very clear about that being, um, uh, very open-minded and very, uh, uh, liberal and kind of uh, yep. better world outlook. I mean, I think that that probably lends something to trying to take care of people when they come in. Okay. Um, but quite honestly, it's like the people I work with. I mean, if, if you can't, take care of the guests coming in why are you doing it in the first place yeah you know, i mean we've all been in those places yep. where you go in and and you know it seems like the server or bartender can't be bothered with you yeah and it's you know people forget that we're here for the guests exactly it's not the yeah. other way around <laughs> so I, I maybe it's not such a tangible thing but i think and I'd, I'd like to think too that we're all not to be kind of bigger picture about this but we're all brought together to a certain extent i mean the staff that's here today and yeah. me, Bo and Trina, all in this kind of hospitality uh, sense and people that we work with from Susie Maitland to Emma Hollander to that this group kind of, it, it kind of grows. And once you come up with something, um, you kind of outdo the next, you know, you want to outdo the next person. So yeah. if I ice down a beer in a Boston shaker for someone when they went outside for a cigarette, you know, Bo would think of, the next step of what you could do for somebody where we're going to put the plugs for their telephones or I don't know. No, I hear does that, you does saying. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Like uh, our, uh, our managing partner at, at Starlight, Emma, she um, got thank you cards made, like postcards. And there are check presenters, but everybody that comes in that has any impact on anybody at Starlight, we find out who they are and and send them a, a nice. thank you note, a postcard, a handwritten oh, postcard. That, and it's just, it's it so powerful. It's yeah. so powerful. Yeah. It's just the little things. It's like, we lost track of doing like the little things today that just show people that we care. And, um, so it sounds like, you know, you're all bringing hospitality to, to the table. Josh really had that like hospitality, like bone in him. It sounds like Bo, you really had more of like the, a skill set, like the, the craft bartender craft. And you were teaching 
is that is that safe to say? Like, I'm just trying to pick up little cues and clues as we go. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Josh Josh was kind of a legendary bartender around Boston, so no, it wasn't oh, okay. like I taught him anything. You know, I had the the craft cocktail scene was starting to come in right when I started to think of myself as a professional bartender, and okay. I embraced that idea of like everything from scratch and trying, okay. and if you can make it, like try to make it. If you yeah. can make it better than you know you're getting it in a bottle, then try to do that. Um, I, I think that that's a culture of what, yeah. we've, what we've brought to our okay. company, but by no means did I well, yeah. Josh. Josh, definitely a legend in the city of Boston. Uh, you were talking about how earlier, like you were, you shook everything, and like you weren't, like you evolved over time. I think it's great to know that even like the masters at one time weren't what they are today. Uh, is that safe to say? Yeah, totally. Well, everybody did that. Yeah, yeah. So this is 1997. You know, okay. I, I think you know certainly Boston was a little behind yeah. New York or Chicago, Ooh. and it took a while to get to that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, if anybody who was bartender back then tells you differently, yeah. they're not telling you the <laughs> truth. But at the same time, you know, people had a good time. People yeah. still came out, yeah, and we had absolutely. a really a lot of fun. So the hospitality was always there. Yeah. I think there was a little bit in the transition to better cocktails and so on. I think there was a little bit of a failing in that it was all about very fastidious kind of head down, making the drink. But as I said before, that's kind of part of it. So yeah. I think that I stuck with the hospitality all along. And when the two kind of finally come together, I think it's, Okay. It's pretty great. But, you know, like Bo's selling himself short. I mean, he was making his own bitters long before that was Is the that something that you think he kind of brought and taught you or is that I, like I, a new? Absolutely. I mean, I think I was, I was learning that at the time. And I had um, a lot of peers, Tom mm-hmm. Mastercola at Number 9 Park, John Gertzen at Number 9. I mean, there were definitely a lot of friends, yep. um, peers. But I think if you can't learn from other people and what they're doing and how, how they're doing it. Um, then, yeah, if you stop that, learning, right, like, that right, you're game right. over. Um well, and that was that was the catalyst for our first spot. That was exactly what the conversation was. Was you know this craft cocktail thing has exploded, but you know, and I mean, no offense to anybody of that era of that time, but it wasn't that much fun to go in a craft cocktail bar unless you really wanted to geek out on you yeah. know how they made their Negroni or you know what a Red Hook was. So what Josh and Trina and I wanted to do with with uh, Trina's Starlight Lounge was we wanted to bring the fun back to a bar, but still offer a good product. And okay. it was really that simple. Okay. We just wanted to like bring that idea of that you know fun of just enjoying yourself, going out and hanging out with your friends, not worrying about you know what the bartender was doing and the bartender and it not being about the bartender, it being about you, mm. being about the party. You know, and that that was the whole catalyst of Starlight. Awesome, I love it. So you, the three of you, are. Sorry, Trina and the two of you were together for the opening of Trina's Starlight Lounge. So take us through what had to happen to pull that off. Like, this is the first place you guys were opening together as your first restaurant where you're like the, the, like the boss man going into it, right? Well, it was, uh, you know, we did it on a shoestring budget. And we were lucky because um, the landlords um, were kind of friends of friends. And so okay. Bo knew... That was kind of our in that we, we found out about the place and what the status of the licensing was and all those things. Um, because we were, even though I I'd, I'd established a place that I was a, a co-owner um, downtown, you know, you still got to raise the money. You still got to <laughs> figure it out. So we, we raised the money privately um, okay. ourselves and some friends and family and so on. And um, we basically built it ourselves. I mean, we had a general contractor. And this was 2007, 2008. Yes. So that's up. a tough time to open a business. Yeah. Yeah, so right. I don't know that's if you right. couldn't have even gone to a bank at that time. No, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't <laughs> yeah. have gotten a loan. I mean, we, we definitely yeah. wouldn't have. Um, and uh, so we did it on a shoestring. And okay. um, we basically cleaned up a dive bar and made it a cool dive bar. So that, of, you know? there's I mean, some huge les- lessons in that, though. Doing Starting small, being lean, and scaling. So hindsight being 2020, knowing what you did... Any lessons, anything you know you did well during that opening that you can share with my listeners that they can apply on how to be well, lean and how to... to, to and we'd to like to give ourselves all sort of credit. I mean, a lot of it was out <laughs> yeah. of necessity. I mean, yeah. we had to do it that well, what way. What do you mean? Well, that we had to save money. So 
we were in there scraping, the, pulling all, the, doing all the demo. We did yep. all the painting. We are, you know, competent enough. That, I mean, we obviously had like an electrician, yep. a plumber, and so on in there, but we were able to do a lot of those things yourself. So what okay. you can do yourself. Um, in the, in the long run, would it have been better to, you know, for s- some items that we're in the process of still fixing today, um, <laughs> might, might have been better, but we, we did things gradually. You know, yeah. we, uh, uh, the windows had been boarded up. Um, uh, you know, they made the kind of small, uh, you know, 12 by 2 little windows like in the old old school kind of dive bar. Yep. They, they boarded up the original windows. So it took us a little while, but then we opened that up and we have bigger windows in the place. You know, we, we, as we started to make some money, um, we were able to... Uh, to make improvements and so on. We <laughs> uh, Bo just said, I remember when everybody thought we were a strip club. I don't know if you guys could hear that. Uh, but so were, were there any biggest challenges for you during that first opening? Like things you can re- reflect back, like big hurdles that money, money. Okay. So how did you get past it? Like what things did you do that, that enabled you to survive during the lean years? I think, um, the, the biggest thing that I took away from it was if you if you believe in it, if you think that you're going to be successful. I mean, we, we leveraged everything. I mean, you know, Trina and I did as a husband and wife. Josh, did. we, our, our uh, partner at the time, Jay, I mean, he kicked in everything he had. Um, yeah, we, I, we just, we believed that the location was great. We believed in, you know, I remember Josh a long time ago when we were, you know, just sitting around talking, saying that him and his uh Longtime bartender at Silvertone, Cedric. He was like, "We knew that we could bring fifty people in anytime, nice. any day, and and fill a room." And so we just, you know, they were in the basement of a place in downtown Crossing, which is the best part of Boston, especially at the time that they opened. And you know, he just had confidence, and I think that it was the same thing with us. We just knew that we were a good group of people who had a really good idea and you know and we believed in it and we went after it and we leveraged everything to go get it awesome uh one question i wanted to ask earlier and i forgot to uh we kind of have covered what the two of you brought to the table but you had jay and you also had trina what were they bringing to the table like paint the big picture of like how what what the, the partnership looked like well we had um we had Jay Bello and, and and still have Jay Bello. He's still a partner with us. And um and uh, we had Trina, who was my wife, and again just a, a bartender who everybody knew and had you know a, yeah. a great reputation and a great following. And then we had Susie, who I worked with at the Metropolitan Club okay. in Chestnut Hill, and uh, she was a chef there. And she was you know the only name on the on the list of people to get to to be in the kitchen for us. So we had this you know great young up and coming nice. chef we had you know josh and trina who had great reputations again we could we just knew we could close our eyes open the door and fill a room yeah. with just the reputations of those two and then jay and i had worked together for a long time um at a place that we eventually bought called audubon and um we just knew that we had a really similar w- way about managing and and uh and and you know, he had kind of learned under me how to manage. So I knew that that would be a good partnership as far as the day-to-day operation of the restaurant. So yeah, we did. We had all the, we had all the gaps filled. Awesome. Um, I'm kind of curious about this too. You said it was a friend of a friend that, that initial location was a friend of a friend. Um, there's always a really cool story about how everything you do in life is kind of like a, an interview and you never know who you're going to meet, who's going to hook you up with that next opportunity. So who was this friend that, made this happen is there like there has to be a lesson in there somewhere i don't know if there's a lesson but um, (laughs) i used to hang out at what the former iteration of starlight was which was um the abbey lounge the abbey lounge was a long time before prohibition right Uh, or right around it was yeah it was like a hundred year old dive bar in this in this working class neighborhood and then it kind of um the guys who had taken it over in the 90s had made it a pretty venerable kind of rock club okay i mean they had a lot of bands that rolled through there so it was fun it was one side was you know this like towny bar with like you know dudes who would come in there at ten o'clock in the morning, eight o'clock in the morning, and drink all day, and then the other side was this like hipster like you know rock club. Um, so I hung out there a lot, and I uh, worked with uh, a girl at Flat Top Johnny's, and who was right down the street. It was a pool hall. Her husband played in a band, and me and her husband got to be friends. Brian Lamb. Yeah, and uh, just from him being in a band and me working with his wife, um, we became friendly. 
his bandmates owned the Abbey. Okay. And, you know, 10 years later, I gave Brian a call who was living in Australia and said, hey, what was Eric's number? And, and, yeah. And, I mean, we got in touch with him that way. So, I mean, what's going through my mind is like, you never know who you're going to meet, who they're going to know, and where something is going to become something like where, where, where that, that, that connection is going to come from. So, the, the lesson being always be awesome, always be a good person, always be somebody that somebody else wants to help. Um, I mean, I'm kind of, kind of stretching it at this point, but is that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And well, in that same line yeah. of thinking, always keep your eyes open. Yeah. You know, so literally, Bo and I, I mean, he'd been in the Abbey. I'd been in the Abbey plenty of times. But we were out about having drinks one night, and we went in there for a beer, and we almost looked at each other at the same moment and said, this is the spot. Um, and they had been under some financial issues and how they'd been running at yeah. the time and so on. And uh, we just kind of like knew. And then Bo made the phone call. So it's... You know, you got. You just got to try. See where. Yeah. See where the opportunity is. You know? Okay. So, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. You're bootstrap. You're lean. You're crushing it. Uh, what? How did things start to scale up from there? Like, take us through like the evolution of how did, did things ever ever get easier? And like, did you ever start getting ahead? Like, take us through like that like evolution. Like your growing pains and like to kind of like where you are now. The things that had to happen to get to where you are now. Well, part of part of this, this, the the initial start and what let yeah. us be lean is that we were all we worked in the industry in some facets. So I was behind the bar a few nights a week. Bo was behind the bar a few nights yep. a week. Trina was too. I mean, so we were able to keep our payroll under mm-hmm. control. Yeah, by that. We're Another tips. great part about having partners too is leaning on each other during the early days. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Sorry. And and that meant that there were a number of people um, who could close in a given yep. time. Um, we're for lack of a better word, we're kind of self-managed in mm-hmm. the sense that, I mean, I guess in an old school version, it'd be a little awkward that you're tipping the owner of the place. Yeah. Or, but I also, I'd like to think of it as it's a group that owns it together. Yeah. And, um, so we were able to keep it kind of lean in that way. Okay. Um, and then bl- build it slowly, which yeah. is what we say. So, you know, sure enough, eight years later, um, yeah. the structure is more what you would think in a typical restaurant environment, but mm-hmm. it took a number okay. of years to kind of build up to that point. So take us through that. I mean, obviously, yeah, when you're, when you're early on, when you're a young company, you've got to be there, but eventually you have to start replacing yourself. You have to start training up, mentoring the next wave of people who are going to be there so you can start working on new projects and opening a new restaurants like, you know, 50 miles away, like in Newburyport. Uh, Massachusetts. Like, so what things did you do to get from the point where maybe not all, one of you has to be behind the bar all the time to where now you're almost, ne- are, are you guys still working behind the bar often? Is that something that happens? So how did no. you replace yourself? How did you get to well, the point I, where you, I, I wasn't kidding when I said the first thing I said when we started <laughs> talking is get people that you think are more talented than you are. Yeah. And I, and I, I'm, I'm being a little funny about it, but it's really true. Get people who are very talented and, yeah. That's how you learn in this business. I mean, if you think about it, it's really maybe the last apprentice system that exists. Oh, yeah. I started this business. I was, I literally, I washed dishes and I waited tables a little bit. And then all of a sudden I was just around all the time. So let me bar back. This is in a restaurant years ago down in Providence. And, uh, and you kind of learn the system, learn, learn, you know, learn about it gradually. So Mm -hmm. someone like Emma is a perfect example at, at Starlight now is she was a bartender, Mm -hmm. but she'd managed some in restaurants before, but she had to slowly learn and was really learning under Bo's guidance. Um, then you have a person who's in that position and you've already mentored them and they're ready to step in. So were you guys going out? Were you headhunting or was it your reputation that you think people who are serious about learning would want to come work for you because you were the people that knew like what they were doing? You, you want to go work for people who know what they're doing. You want to learn that. What well, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that it was that we were the people, but I think that, Josh had created a, a great culture and yeah. people did want to work for him. And, um, you know, I had been in and out of that neighborhood for a long time um, as a bartender. And so I, I think that, uh, you know, I kind of had a, a pretty good reputation just as a, as a bartender. But um, to kind of reinforce what Josh was saying, I mean, that that's exactly how you do it. And if we've done anything right, I think that we've created a, a good family oriented culture that is uh 
it, it's a good working environment. People, mm. you know, it's it's not like the the big stressful like you know heads rolling <laughs> yeah. environment that a lot of restaurants could be. And um, we've created a nice warm culture that makes it you know you work hard and you got to know stuff, but yeah. it's fun and and you know and we treat you right. And I think that that culture has kind of you know yep. really uh, facilitated good people working for us. I Beautiful. mean that's all, it's that's all it is is. Mm good people i mean we're so lucky that we have really good staffs at all of our places and i think that it's because we really focus on on that we you know we want you to be we want you as a as a staff member to be happy so you can impart that on our guests i mean again it just goes back to hospitality and and wanting to have people people and Mm -hmm. trying to surround ourselves with that absolutely uh so we're at 33 minutes of recording time now, so I want to open it up to you guys. Uh, anything we haven't spoken about, anything that you're hoping would come up, any nuggets of knowledge like you can just drop on the listeners right now that you know will kind of make us a little bit better? That If you think of anything, I, I'll open up the table. This is your first mistake, thinking that we have all these nuggets of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> That's why actually I actually trying to find some nuggets the, of knowledge. Well, you have them. They're in there. They're coming out like <laughs> left and right right now. Um, I guess let me ask you this. So you started opening restaurants. What were the key things you had to do to open the, the, the second and the third restaurant? Um, ways you had to pivot, ways you had to adapt. Because I think that's where a lot of people fail. They're crushing it at one restaurant. They go to open that second restaurant, and all of a sudden, things start to fall apart all around them. So why? what is it that you do differently that has enabled you to have an impact at all these different locations and continue to like kill it in each location you're doing? Well, again, I think about people. I mean, yeah. it's redundant. We're kind of going yeah. back to the same conversation. But perfect example is our partner, it's all about the people. Jay Bilal, yeah. segued back over to Audubon. Yep. And he has run the show there. So he's there all the time. Okay. And um, so that takes care of that yep. spot. And um, our good friend Devon is now the general manager. So we have, there's, a, there's a great crew there. So we don't really have to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and, and that opened up the window for... Bo had moved up here with his family uh, to Newbury, and this space was available. And we were kind of kicking the tires, and yep. it just came up. You know, yep. I, mean, I feel like it goes back to what we're saying a little bit with Starlight, but in some ways it's luck. You know, you make yep. luck happen by just being – your eyes are open, you're aware of it. And, you know, it just kind of it kind of fell, in, fell into place. I mean, we'd, we'd looked at a number of other things, and other things had not worked. And, um, you know, that's kind of the nature of the restaurant business. But um, – then we, because Bo was up here, we convinced Susie to move up to Amesbury, and uh, we had a team that was in place at Starlight, and I'm down there still. Okay. Um, so uh, it kind of just fell into place a little bit. I mean, okay. I, I feel fortunate about that. No, like, you know, it's funny because I've had people on the show say that avoid partnerships whenever possible. I don't necessarily subscribe to that. I think you're proof that a p- good partnerships can really be strong, like can can make a huge impact so what is it about your partnership that you think is different about other partnerships people that bash heads or, or pull in different directions like what is it like how many partners are there there's the two of you there's josh there's trina or not josh but uh joe sorry jay, jay thank you You're, so yeah i mean the, the for the different restaurants there's, yeah you know different different variables and different partnership agreements and, but uh uh, to kind of directly answer your question, I mean, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head is that, you know, we lean on each other mm-hmm. and we have trust in each other and we genuinely care about each other. I mean, you know, Josh and I weren't best friends when we started doing this. We felt a, there was a mutual interest in, in you know, opening a restaurant. And that's what kind of started our friendship and our friendship and partnership has grown from that you know um so i i think that 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 was really an important thing is we weren't like you know two meatball buddies that were just getting a beer and decided to throw in on a bar i mean we were professional restaurateurs yep. Yep. who uh you know knew what we were doing and decided to to team up to do something together because it was mutually beneficial yeah. to us you know Got you. yeah yeah um and you know, I was just lucky enough to be married to Trina, who was a kick-ass bartender. So it just it just worked out. <laughs> yeah. you know? So I mean, I think that's probably the experience factor that the two of you brought into it. Probably has not the two of you, but all of you. Is it six total? Uh, 
the two of you treated. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a little Susie J. Each operation is a little bit different. Okay, but, but yes, there's there's definitely multiple people who have a piece of the pie in, e- okay. in, in each spot, and I think what's made it work is that everyone has worked pretty much in every facet of the restaurant business um, from the ground up. So we know what the work ethic is and or what we're getting ourselves into. Mm-hmm. Um, is it unspoken? Is it written anywhere? Like the vision, the mission, the core values? Like, no. But you know, but you can tell someone who's worked in this industry for a long time successfully, like yep. Bo or like Trina, and you know, like Susie, and you know the direction they want to go in. And yeah. of course, you don't always agree and it's not always yep. smiles and whatever, but if, if you're working together and there's not... Um, you know, we don't have some large corporate structure. There's, there wasn't some uh, other other group that we of investors that we were always answering to. So we were really kind of answering to each other, but we're all putting in the time. And because we knew our how we worked before we got into it, mm. it was. I mean, yes, could that have changed? Sure. Yeah. But you know, I mean, we kind of knew. You know, it was, there was a history there. We we worked for twenty years in the business. Yeah. You know, so you knew kind of what you're getting into. Yeah, absolutely. It all makes sense. Um, what else can we talk about? Uh, I guess we are. What time are we looking at? We uh, you want to add something real quick? Well, you were you were saying like you know how how do you manage like the expansion successfully? A lot of people have a really successful place at one place, and you know, and then they fail because they yep. leverage the other place or whatever. Yep. Um, you know, you said it very at the original. Uh, the first part of the interview was stay in your lane. Yep. And that's, I think, what Josh and I and Jay and Susie and Trina and Emma, I mean, like, we're successful because we stay in our lane. Yeah. We have neighborhood bars. You know, like, they're different concepts. Yep. The Paddle Inn is a, you know, a different concept in Newburyport. And Trina's Starlight Lounge is a different concept in Inman Square and Somerville. And Audubon is over by Fenway Park. They're very different concepts and, and operate differently. But the kind of the running theme is that we're neighborhood bars, yeah. You know, and that we, know what you're we good put at. a premium. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we put a premium yeah. on like making sure that people have fun yeah. and, and and keeping it simple. You know, keeping it to hospitality and quality. And I think that that in, in value, you know, and we just kind of stay in our lane. We don't try to get outside of ourselves and open up something. You know, like you know, we were talking about Westbridge that yep. Maddie Gaudette did. We could never do that, and I'd never venture to do that yeah and you know we're not going to open up uh, a fast food chain you know we know what we do we we Heard. have we're good at neighborhood <laughs> bars and we keep to I it i love it awesome great so okay i'm gonna ask you guys just to share a time you fell on your ass with a failure a time you failed hard a time where you definitely made the wrong decision uh take us through that what you learned from it and kind of how you got to like over it and recovered from it Business wise, any it could be a life failure, it could be business failure. Maybe uh, I was gonna say, I, mean, I was gonna say, I, I, had a, I had a rough drive up here today. My back hurts like hell. Um, well, I was involved with a restaurant group um, that had opened in, in New York City, okay, and then Providence, Rhode Island. And that's my first restaurant job, was down okay, in Providence. And they opened up a spot in downtown, uh, not downtown Boston, over by um, uh, kind of the corner of Newbury Street in Arlington. Um, in, in, in Boston. Okay. Um, not, not far from Newbury Street, not far from the Common there. And it was in a union hotel. And I invested a little bit of money at the time I had. I was a bartender. I was the bar manager there. Okay. And um, we got picketed by the union. Oh. And there aren't very many union houses left. Um, in fact, most hotels are non-union. But it was adjacent to a hotel, so there was a union. So there were a lot of partners involved the higher okay. up and all much older than me. I was very young. I was okay. in my early twenties and there were too many people involved. Oh man. And so it started to go South pretty quickly. And it was amazing to see how different people just all of a sudden weren't there working anymore. Oh, there was man. Somebody else. You kind of learn pretty quickly who, who's in it to kind of. Yeah. You know, so what do you think the overarching lesson is in that failure that, that, from your viewpoint? Well, I mean, I think it's kind of no, what you were talking about before, yeah. ironically, I mean, is kind of know who your partners are and do as much research as you possibly can. I mean, it, yeah. you know, it's never, there's never a perfect answer. You never, it's going to be a home run. I mean, you know, we could talk about this even with years of experience yeah. and it, it might not work yep. sometime, but what you try to do is limit those risks as much as possible. And, uh, um, I think that was the lesson I learned from that, which was, 
be careful, again, who you're in business with, but really make sure that all the little details, all the research beforehand um, is as in-depth as you possibly can. Awesome. Did you want to add anything, Bo, or... No, that's a pretty good story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back for the speed round. Do you use a wait list when you've got more guests than tables? Maybe your lobby's just cramped or there's a line going out the door. Well, first off, way to go. Good for you. Your food rocks. People love you. Secondly, there is an easier way. Let's talk about No Wait. It's an app because today, let's be honest, everything's an app, but this app really will make your customers' lives easier. No Wait handles your wait list digitally. It makes it easy for customers to add themselves from anywhere. Then it tells them when to head to your restaurant to get seated with as little weight as humanly possible. It's a VIP experience that guests love and it brings them back again and again. That means no more unhappy campers passing you up to go someplace else less busy. You're busy because you earned it. Check out noway.com slash unstoppable for a special offer just because your restaurant unstoppable listeners. That's noway.com slash unstoppable Don't let success steal your customers away. Yo, guys, so if you're listening to this podcast, you're likely a restaurant or bar owner who wants to be a better leader, who wants to make more money, who wants to be more successful, who wants to work smarter, not harder, and you just want to be great, which means you know you can never stop educating yourself. If that sounds like you and you want to learn how to attract more new customers and get a competitive edge over your competition, sounds pretty good, right? Then you need to listen to this message. You got to listen. Just ready for it. Here it is. Leading industry expert Nick Fosberg and past guest of Restaurant Unstoppable wrote what I believe to be the best how-to book on attracting new customers and creating highly profitable promotions on a shoestring budget. And because you're Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, he's going to give you this book not for $30 on Amazon, but you're getting it for free. Yeah. Free. Go to freebrsbook.com right now and get a copy. Again, that's freebrsbook.com. Get your free copy while supplies last. We're back. And the first question I have for you is, what is your it factor, uh, habit, trait, characteristic, something you believe most contributes to your success? Uh, we'll start with Bo. Josh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a quick cop out. <laughs> Um, you know, again, about the guest and just tr- try to make everybody feel like they're the most impor- important person in the room. Awesome. Beautiful. Do you, do you have an effect or is it really Josh? I think that, that uh, if I would think anything of myself positively, it would be that I, honesty and integrity. Nice. Like I think I, I conduct myself honestly and, and with a measure of integrity with every dealing I have. Okay. Hopefully. So back at you, Bo. What is your biggest weakness? Obstinance. I'm. I'm just. Hard I didn't as a catch rock. that. What was it? Like I'm obstinate. Okay. I just. I'm the most. You know, obstinate. Like probably frustratingly so. Uh, <laughs> I have to admit, I'm not familiar with that word. Can you? I'm not. I've never heard that word before. Oh really? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm just. Uh, yeah, oh, okay, stubborn okay. and willful. Learn new things and, you know, I'm just, not afraid to admit when I don't know something. Yeah. No, no, that's great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a good it factor. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm stubborn as hell. Okay. I, you know, I, I have my way and I, I almost like a bulldozer force my way on to, to other things, even when it's to my is it, detriment. Is it a strength sometimes too, though? I think it's a strength yeah. at times, but I think yep. it, it also lends itself to, you know, having... Um, tough dynamics at, at times as well yeah. you know and what about the partners do they ever see you going down that rabbit hole <laughs> yeah. and pull you out of it yeah every, everybody does <laughs> that's, that's one, another sure. reason why it's great to have good partners that know you and recognize your weaknesses and go hey bro. and that's another great thing i mean you know <laughs> yeah I, I, this isn't i i don't mean this to turn into a josh love fest but that that's another good thing about him man is he he's a very uh uh thoughtful guy and he understands when like you know and he understands how to how to work with that. Yeah. And, and um, I think he's done a really good job of, of you know, working around that and, yeah. and actually tempering me and and, uh, and helping me kind of see those those flaws. And awesome. when I am being just too stubborn and 
to maybe see outside of, of what I normally see. I dig it. Josh, what's your biggest weakness, man? So in, in the same way, kind of a double-edged sword, but yep. it's, it's perfectionism. You yep. know, you're trying to get it always right. I worry about the stupidest little things. Yeah. And Bo will tell you, it drives him crazy sometimes. Something that a guest may never know. It's the way some wire looks or mm-hmm. I'm up there above the TV over there. I had to make a little box so you don't see the plugs. and the You know, I mean, little things like that, which can get in your way sometimes to slow things down. But I think... The silver lining there is that it, I hope, whether it's a little dive bar or, you know, the paddle in up, up, up here in Newburyport, that it makes a good place. Yeah, but it makes it comfortable. The guest comes in yeah. and they might not notice, oh, you redid the floors. They might not notice you redid the floors, but they notice it's clean. It smells yep. good. Yep. Um, you know, the, the picture box, oh, those look really cool. They, you know, they didn't know all the details that went into it, but it warms up the environment. Yeah. So I feel like... It's a, it works both ways. Yeah, definitely. But I can definitely see it being a strength too, just because it's those people who don't settle for good enough, who are always showing up every day trying to make it just a little bit better. So, yeah, strength weakness for sure. We were actually just talking about that before you yeah. came in. That um, you know, uh, Josh was dealing with the plumbing issue at Starlight, and uh, he was saying, you know, is it just is it just that we got bad luck and you know everything's falling apart, or is it that you know? I just can't allow something to, you know, to go down. And and I think that that's a really beneficial thing to us. I mean, our places are, you know, they're, they're casual concepts. They're not like, you know, high end, but it's tight, you know, the lighting's right and the tables don't wobble. And, you know, that's what he was saying is like, you know, most places or a lot of places, there isn't that attention to detail. There is a light bulb out and people don't balance the little, uh, the feet underneath the table. And, you know, there is a clog drain that they just let go because it's not, you know, it's not important to them. And, you know, that all culminates to, you know, caring Mm. and, you know, it might not be seen by the every day by the guest, but you know that stuff also. When it's on the other side, on the positive side, when you are taking care of those details, it, it culminates to something great. You know, yeah. I mean, you you might not be able to put your finger on it, but you do see that there's awesome. care and attention to detail at every corner. I love it. I really do. So, real quick, uh, one piece of advice on leadership: how to be a good leader. I don't know if one of you want to take it or. I think we both take it for a second, but I think is that let good people that you have working with you get out of their way. Good people get out so, of their so way. So I would get out. So, yeah. maybe, you know, to a certain extent, I mean, it's always guiding, but yep. it's leadership isn't about on busy Friday night yelling about the salt and pepper shakers. Yep. You know, you're six deep and it's whatever. It's about getting the right people in place, knowing that they're going to take care of that at a time. And then there's, you know, there's yep. gray areas here, but I, I really think it's letting, letting good people do their job. Yep. Awesome. Do you want to add anything to that, Bo? Well, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think that we've all worked for, for people who are uh, bossy, but they're not bosses. You know, they're just bossy. <laughs> and I, I think that the best thing that you can do to lead is to lead by example, is to, you know, speak quietly and let your let your actions do the talking. And, and you know, like yeah. he said, you know, Put the, put the ball in motion and then let the ball roll, you know? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, okay, so this next one. When you guys are hiring, when you're building your team, uh, what's a question you ask or a specific thing you look for in that person? Well, I, I, again, it's all about uh, people and being and being dedicated to pleasing people. I mean, I, and I think that the – you know, you, to go way off track, I think the advent of like social media and uh, uh, make people feel like they're individually famous yeah. when they're not, yeah. and that there's there's a self importance now that there there wasn't before, which makes this job of being people pleasers yeah. additionally challenging. So I think that you you know we try really hard to point our interviews to make sure that it's not about you, that it's about somebody else, and that mm-hmm. you know there's some sort of deference and some sort of like. Uh, a feeling that they're they're trying to in, in in whatever they do that that they see that it's about the guest and it's about something other than themselves 
And I think that that's a big shortcoming of uh, of the restaurant business and, and the craft cocktail movement, as we were talking about before, is that it starts to become about you, and it's never about you. I mean, like, Josh and I don't pay anybody's bills. The yeah. people who come in here pay the bills, you know? They're the boss. We're yeah. not, you know? <laughs> yeah. We just... We just we just pay the utilities and stuff, you know. I yeah, mean, I like you. they're the boss, and we work for them. So how do you how do you know if somebody has that that characteristic about them? Um, is there something that they do? Is there a way to to find out if it's there, like a trick you have or a question, or is it just gut instinct? Well, I think it's a gut instinct to a yeah. certain extent. Um, I also think it's um, there's a little bit of a staging, yeah, you know, process beforehand where you. Uh, Again, a little bit of trial and error to see you know what the service is like, um, yep. how they interact with the environment because it might not fit in every way. But we ask questions like, you know, what's your favorite record? What's your favorite restaurant? Where do you go? Where, yeah. What do you like? What okay. do you like about the service that they give there? Okay. What do you think is good service? You know, I mean, I think if you ask a lot of those questions, you can get a good idea. Just look to see if they're aware of it. Right. right, right yeah. Right, got right. you. Got you. And you always like. I always try to get somebody to talk shit. <laughs> I mean, like that's the biggest thing is that like if you're saying you know you used to work at restaurant x oh you know i have been there a few times did you like working there and oh what was the, was there an issue or you're hoping they don't talk shit right. exactly yeah. but i try to get them to talk shit so you're they, testing their integrity absolutely i love it absolutely that's the kind of stuff we're looking for in this yeah. show little nuggets like that like that you can apply to really get the, the core the character of the people you're interviewing beautiful uh okay what's your biggest challenge right now I think I think the challenge in the restaurant industry right now is yep. staffing, yep. Um, kitchen help, front of house help. Um, there are just so many places open, yeah. and there, there's such a shortage of um, people willing to do jobs or uh, such a. Just a, a the standard of, is way higher too because right. of how competitive the market's getting. So you need good people to be competitive. Right, that's right. So how are you combating that challenge? Well, I, th- I think again it, we're. We're trying to create a culture. So, I mean, we might not. We're a little mom and pop joint, so we might not be able to pay you what like the giant place down the street can pay you. But we're we're a good culture. You know, we're a good mm-hmm. place to work. We're good people. We care about you. When you know something's wrong, yep. You know, we try to help you out. When something outside of the business is is not right with you, we try to assist. You know, yeah. and I mean, we try to really create that family atmosphere. Yeah. And I think that. You know, I mean, nobody is yeah. fully staffed right now, but I think that that helps us in lieu of not having endless pockets to be able to just pay. You mm-hmm. know, I think, I think our atmosphere and our culture of uh, of what we what we do here is is helping that. I think and a, a, a culture of education too, so that I'm happy you we, went there. We, yeah, we, yeah. we might we might have someone who comes in here um, and is working in the kitchen today, and maybe they were their role was a prep cook somewhere else. Well, maybe they're hired as a prep cook here, but right away Susie's making a big effort to show recipes, learn about uh, costing, learn about, uh, you know, doing a special uh, uh, way to step forward. So I think that if you, if you know that there's, there's a possibility of advancement and that you can, um, again, educationally learn these things, um, that's, that's attractive too, rather than just going in, well, maybe I got paid a dollar or two more an hour, but I was just prepping. All I was doing was cutting potatoes. Yeah. Day. I mean, at the end of the day today, it's no longer enough to just give somebody a check, you know, a paycheck and a steady, you know, job. Like, it's just not enough. Like, people want to go to work and know that they're growing, know that they're being taken care of and cared for. Like Bo mentioned, and knowing that they can go learn something, like Josh mentioned, they, they, they want to, those higher needs to be met. And that's what I'm hearing from you. Uh, one book. If you guys can think of one book. Uh, that is a must-read to become a better business person or just a person in general. Maybe a, a, a bartender book, whatever you guys want to share. No, I realize we're over time now. I apologize. I'll try to oh, wrap. No, be... Sometimes right now. Well, for a restaurant book, like if you just want a hardcore restaurant book to you know as a as a manager and an operator, I think the Danny Meyer side yep. of the table. I mean, I'm sure a million different yep. people have said that, but it really is. I mean, yeah. it. it it prioritizes the right things and deprioritizes the wrong things. It's great. Um, as far as, you know, uh, one book to read, if you haven't read hundred years of solitude, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. All right. What's, why is that one? What was the lesson in that one for you? That, that uh, makes it something we need to, le- to read. I mean, this is a whole other podcast, but, uh, <laughs> I think the, the, 
it's it's just one of those perfect books where it 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 is just about you know the hundred years of a family and you know and it is it's like Sid Arthur or those other books of you know really what's important and it's not so much the the end result as the path that got you there and I think that that's always important in mm. life absolutely. Do you want? You have anything? Or that was, that was pretty good. good <laughs> this is why we're good partners because both stepped up go. in the right way. I, d- I dig um, it. You know, I, I, no, I don't have a, a specific book. This kind of a okay a mantra. We'll move on to the next question, and that is one piece of technology that you've recently adopted in your restaurants that's having an impact on communication, just efficiency, profitability. Like one piece of technology that's really made an impact on your business. I'm not sure how much of an impact it's made, but I think it's really cool that I came from a bar time where we had pay phones in the bathroom. Okay. To now not only do we have um, outlets underneath the bar in front of every guest <laughs> in this little place, but it also has USB chargers right in it. So you don't oh, even have cool. to go to a charger. You just plug the, plug the USB right into the outlet and it works. Each, each bar? Uh, every, every, every other? In between every Oh, one. that's pretty so, cool. But that's definitely a different era when nobody had phones Wait, before. so... Is that just like you just chose to like get like the? So it's an outlet, but it literally has a USB slot. That's oh, a so you can go in, to. So you don't need that. You could if you just had your USB cord, you could still plug your phone. So you can go it. to like any uh, like Home Depots or Lowe's and like just yeah. get oh, that. Yeah. Pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Anything like like technology like behind the bar like we're, inventory uh, management or anything like that? You're we're leveraging? pretty lo-fi, you know. Yeah. I mean that 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 question isn't as applicable to us because you know where we are we're a little sometimes little less neighborhood is more. bars you know yeah and, and yeah and i think that we try to almost keep it that way i That's mean good. social media has really driven the bus yep. really well emma hollander again has really kind of shown us the light as far as how social media can drive business so that that might be helpful okay yeah, and is there a certain platform she's using or that you're leveraging she kicks ass at instagram yeah yeah yeah, yeah. cool uh, anything else you want to mention there, or should we move it on? Yeah, I think the, okay. the lo-fi element is kind of important because everybody's looking at their phones all the time. Yeah. And everybody's looking at a million TVs and different yep. bars all the time. And I, somewhat out of necessity, this is a small place, but yeah, we have a TV here. But I like to think that the reason we all go to bars is to talk to people. Yep. You know, it's to talk to the owner. It's to talk to the bartender. Mm-hmm. It's to talk to the person Stay you human. don't know yeah. behind you. Stay in human. And yep. you actually have conversations with people. So... Yeah, we are pretty lo-fi, like Bo said. We have turntable and vinyl here, and, and there's, awesome. there's a reason for that. I mean, of course, we could be piping in Spotify or whatever, which we do also, yep. but there's something nice about being able to throw oh, yeah. a record on and just oh, having yeah. it, and there's a conversation about that. I dig it. Here, we even um, don't have Wi-Fi available to the guests by design. Because we don't want you to plug in. We don't want it to be easy. And, like, you know, the regular uh, a, cellular network sucks around here. Is that so a part of your brand? Your like, do you, like, do you, like, are you open about that? Like, are, do you announce it or are you no. just, okay. Well, we just say, sorry, we don't, you know. <laughs> but but that that's the majority of the reason why is, yeah. you know, talk to somebody. Okay. Look over to your I'll right. You know, she's cute. Awesome. <laughs> there you go. Great. Uh, okay. So, with all the knowledge you have now, if you go back in time, just give yourself one piece of advice, hindsight being twenty twenty, past version of yourself, one piece of business advice. What would it be? When I when I opened the first spot in uh, nineteen ninety seven, cash only would have been nice back then. <laughs> cash only. You know, you know, back in the day, it was maybe eighty five percent cash, yeah, fifteen percent credit no, it's card, like and seventy percent, and now it's the flip. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we could have made a whole lot of money that way, probably. Oh, okay. Awesome. Well, those are all the questions, guys. Unless you had a. Uh, go back in time and give yourself. Do you want to add something to that, Bo? Or are you good? Yeah, Bo, don't go to college. Don't. <laughs> all right. I mean, that would probably be a whole other episode and stuff, too. Um, all right. So that's it, guys. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to, to join us as guest mentors, to share your story, to share your advice. Um, I met you, I connected with you because of our man, Chef Gaudet. He called you out. So now it's your turn. Uh, who's an independent restaurant professional? Uh, somebody you guys can think of or two people you can think of uh, that would make great guest mentors on the show like you've done for us today? I think Dave Cagle, the automatic. Dave Cagle, the automatic. Oh, is that his, is that his restaurant, the automatic? Or is yeah. that like a, okay, yeah. Dave Cagle, getting after him. Look out, Dave, I'm coming after you. And uh, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for you know just taking the time to join us, to share your story, like I said, uh, to, to be open, to... Share what you know to be true. Uh, we're all a little bit better. And there is no questioning that you are unstoppable.
Do you want to add anything to that? You leaned in a little bit. <laughs> I, back, I backed up from the mic a little bit. No, thank you very much. It was really, really a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, thank you. Oh, it, was it was my great. pleasure. Thank you, guys. Cheers. So I'll be honest. I uh, I kind of struggled with today's interview. I mean, don't get me wrong. Josh and Bo were awesome. It wasn't them. But this was a very unique restaurant group. They are a very unique restaurant group in the sense that their their path to success. I mean, there's so many variables because there's so many partners, and it's almost like they all just absorbed each other. Uh, they were doing their thing. They were, you know, in the same like I don't know social circles, professional circles, and they all just had a mutual respect for each other, and it just seemed like the the no brainer. To go into business with each other. And I didn't know how to ask questions. I felt like I was all over the place during this interview. I mean, they they gave us great advice. But I think the, the lesson to pull from today's conversation is just that compounding effect of when you just feed off the people in your network and you, you work with them, you collaborate with them, and you all have incredible reputations you can compound on those reputations and you can just create something you know draw from your networks draw draw from your reputations to create something together and just have that compounding effect of all those people uh who each individual partner is bringing in uh whether it be employees uh you know staff members or just that reputation among the public and the guests and it seems like that's what they're doing they they're look they're going out they just getting out there working meeting new people finding other like-minded people knowing it's like the unspoken culture the unspoken core values they're all there because these people are all so much alike and it just compounded over time and they're continuing to grow and it was very unique uh but awesome stuff and i think the just the, the overarching mantra of today's episode is just be good being a good person treating other people well and over time that that will grow exponentially uh that those positive ripples you put into the universe will just spread opportunities will come to you other good people will come to you and uh you know if you want to attract great people onto yourself it all starts with you first becoming a good person so i mean i think that's today's lesson all these people in this restaurant group are just freaking awesome and they they you know attracted onto each other and they continue to attract other great good people onto their restaurant group. That was probably way too many words. Uh, I kind of ranted there, but I I really kind of dig where this ended up, and I hope you guys dug it too. Uh, so, like always, guys, if you are finding lessons, value, new knowledge in these conversations, please do reach out to me. Shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Connect with me on Facebook slash restaurantunstoppable and Instagram, Twitter, Eric Catch Tory. Let me know who you want to hear from. Let me know what your challenge is. I might not know the answer, but I guarantee you I know somebody who does or I can find them. If we can get them on the show. We can learn together. Leverage me and this podcast. I'm here to serve you. Um, and what else? Shout out to Jared, responsible for this editing and promotion. He's helping me so much. So grateful to have him on the team. And I guess, like always, uh, until next time, peace. <laughs>